Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here with us today on site and online. I'm happy to be back. I've been out of town uh, for the last week, but I was gone over two weekends, so it feels even longer. We were in Florida for a family vacation with my wife's family, uh, but we had a great time. Thank you to everybody who prayed for Traveling Mercies. They worked. Prayer works because we drove from Florida to Ohio with three little kids, and we all kept our sanity. So God is good all the time, right? Like, <laughs> And hey, also, I just want to say I am so thankful that whenever I go out of town and someone else steps into the pulpit and preaches, that it's people like Pastor Brenda and Pastor Donnie. Didn't they do a fantastic job these last two weeks? Goodness sakes. Uh, so thankful for them. They, they've really been carrying the, uh, the load for this uh, series that we're in. We started this series uh, two weeks ago called I Want That Kind of Faith. Can you say it with me? I want that kind of faith. See, you guys got it. First service didn't get it. You guys got it. You need to put some stank on it, right? Whenever you say it, you can't just say, I want that kind of faith. It's I want that kind of faith, right? Because it's, it's a particular brand of faith that we're looking for. Like, if you're anything like me, if you're anything like a follower of Jesus who's really wanting to make an impact and an influence with your life, you're wanting biblical faith. You're not just wanting the, I'm kind of making it through life and my faith doesn't really play a huge part in my day-to-day walk. No, you want a faith that is biblical, a faith that looks like the heroes of scripture. That's what you're looking for, and it's not an easy thing to find. You don't accidentally end up living a life that has that kind of faith, right? It has to be very intentional. We need to know what we're doing. And so as we've been studying, we've been looking at the life of a man named Joseph. Uh, He's a perfect example of that kind of faith. We can see examples in his life that we go, okay, if I do this, if I do that, I too could have that kind of faith. And so uh, what we looked at week one was this idea that Joseph had, uh, uh, he had when no one's looking faith, right? He had a faith that worked even when the spotlight wasn't on him. He had a faith that looked just as good Monday through Saturday as it did on Sunday, right? Like that's the kind of faith that he had and we need that kind of faith. We need a faith that works throughout the week and it doesn't just look whenever people, or it doesn't just work whenever people are watching us, right? That's the kind of faith we need. And then last week, Pastor Donnie talked uh, about forgive until it hurts faith. Ouch, that's a hard one for a lot of us, uh, forgiveness, but we see it modeled in the life of Joseph. This man who was maligned, who was lied about, who was sold into slavery by his own family, by his own brothers, who was thrown into prison uh, under false pretenses, who had terrible thing after terrible thing after terrible thing happen to him, and yet he was able to forgive his brothers. And if we want a faith that works, if we want that kind of faith, we need to have a faith that forgives until it hurts. And now today we're gonna be closing this out by once again looking at Joseph's story. We're gonna be in Genesis chapter 50. If you wanna follow along uh, in your Bible or if you have a Bible app, if not, we'll have the scripture up on the screen. But we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 50, verses 12 through 20. And then we're also gonna jump to Hebrews chapter 11 for two quick verses. But let me give you a little bit of background on where we're picking up in Joseph's story today. So Joseph at this point 
we're near the tail end of his story, okay? So he's already, he, he's had these visions whenever he was a young man of God elevating him to a place of honor and prestige. And he told his brothers about it. Maybe he shouldn't have because they didn't like it, right? They decided we're gonna kill this guy. We don't wanna hear about this anymore, about how special he is. So they decide they're gonna kill him. The youngest brother, uh, Benjamin, and uh, I think it's Benjamin is talking and he's like, hey, look, let's not, Let's not kill him. Let's, let's, just, let's sell him. Let's sell him into slavery. Let's, let's not do this evil thing by taking him out. So they sell Joseph into slavery. Whenever he goes into slavery, uh, uh, things start to get a, bit, a little bit better, but then he gets falsely accused of sexual assault. Like he gets falsely accused of this terrible thing. He, he's thrown into prison. And while he's in prison, things just go from worse to worse to worse. Like you read this guy's story, and you're like, man, every day he wakes up is the new worst day of his life. Like it's just bad thing after bad thing until eventually he starts to receive favor in the eyes of the people that he's surrounded by. He actually starts to receive favor within the Egyptian government. So he gets to the point where he's not only, is he not only uh, not in prison anymore, he's actually in the Egyptian government and he's climbing the ladder. He becomes the number two most powerful person in the Egyptian government. That's quite the ascension, right? That's quite the uh, success story. And so He's the number two, uh, and at the same time this is happening, a famine is ravaging the land. Luckily, because of Joseph's knowledge and connection to God, the Egyptian government, they've planned for this, they've stockpiled, they're good to go. So people from all over are flooding into Egypt for refuge, for food, to just be able to live, including Joseph's brothers. My, how the tables have turned, right? So now they're coming to Egypt. They discover Joseph's still alive, and this is like a huge shock to them, and they're starting to realize, uh-oh, like, he's not our little brother anymore. He's got power. He's got authority. He's got the sword of the Egyptian government on his side. He's gonna kill us. Like, he's gonna kill us. He's gonna get revenge for what happened, especially once dad dies. Once dad's not here to protect us anymore, we're, we're out. And this is where we pick up in verse uh, 12 of Genesis 50. Uh, the dad, Joseph's dad, has just passed away. Jacob has just died. This is what it says. So Jacob's son did as he had commanded them. They carried his body to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre. This is the cave that Abraham had bought as a permanent burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. Don't you love this? Don't you love like, hey, Joseph, it wasn't us. We're just the messenger, but this is what dad said. He happened to be crying as he was saying it too. Just wanna let you know, just throwing it out there, right? Please Forgive your brothers for the great wrong that they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. And his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. And then I want us to jump to Hebrews chapter 11. This is what it says 
in verse one and then verse six. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You see, what I want us to talk about today as we close out the series on that kind of faith, I want us to talk about, I didn't see it, but I knew it kind of faith. I didn't see it, but I knew it. This is the kind of faith that we see lived out in Joseph's life, a faith that says, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see the way life was coming towards me. I didn't, I didn't plan any of this. I wasn't expecting to have all of these obstacles and challenges. I didn't see it, but I knew that God would be faithful. But I knew that God would see me through. I knew that the end of my story would be God is faithful. Can we bow our heads and pray together just real quick? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us in these next moments as we study your word, that you yourself would illuminate it in our hearts, in our minds, that we would see it with a fresh perspective today and that we would take what we learned today, apply it in our lives and see true, true transformation. Thank you for hearing us as we pray, Father. We pray all of this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you high five the person next to you? Tell them it's good to see you. Good to see you. I'm high fiving. Everybody online right now, it's good to see you as well. <laughs> Tell them it's good to be seen, right? Good to be seen. Or as the old pastors would say, better be seen than viewed, amen, hallelujah. Better be seen than viewed, right? Yep, yep. Better be seen than viewed. Uh, seeing is a good thing. Like I'm, anytime people do those games, they're like, which one of your senses would you not want to go first? Seeing is always like, Pretty high up there for me. I, I, it's a very important thing, especially when you're the parent of three little kids. Sight is very important. Let me, let me play this out for you a little bit. Um, so my two daughters, Eden and Evelyn, this is about a month and a half ago, they're in the kitchen uh, and I can hear them, like cabinets opening and closing, the fridge opening and closing. I'm laying over on the couch, I'm comfortable. As long as I don't hear a knife unsheathed from the butcher block, I'm like, go crazy, do whatever you want to in there, right? Um, actually, it's, it's the opposite. It's when it's silent that it's the worst, right? All the parents are like, yes, that's when you're freaking out whenever it's dead quiet. So they're in there, they're giggling and they're laughing and I can hear stuff opening and closing. And then eventually I hear, hey, daddy, daddy, we got something for you. And I'm like, okay. And they go, close your eyes. <laughs> no, I don't know about this. Like, close your eyes. And so they start walking closer and I've got my eyes closed and I can hear like, like splishing and slushing in like a cup or something like that as they're walking towards me. Again, giggling, just <laughs> like, oh, geez. They go, okay, close, keep your eyes closed and drink. May have been born at night. I wasn't born last night. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm sitting there and in this moment, it all happens in a flash. I remember a story about my sister whenever she was uh, real little, her, my mom and dad were all out in uh, the yard. They were doing yard work and it was really hot. You know, their hands are getting all dirty and stuff. And Rachel, just the sweet little thing, she decides to go in the house. She gets a cup of lukewarm water from the tap, puts no ice in it, but just gets the cup, 
uses like the claw maneuver to carry the cup out, like doesn't carry the cup like this, puts her fingers in the water that she just poured and is carrying it out. So all the little dirt and the little particles are floating in there and it's just real gross, right? Real gross. She carries it out and shows it to my mom and dad and with her tiny little voice says, I saw you as thirsty and just hands it to him, right? Oh, and so of course my mom and dad, the great parents that they are, they're like, oh, you sweet little thing. They're trying not to cry. They drink it. They're like, oh, you sweet. Yeah, we'll we'll have a drink. It was in that moment I realized my parents are much better parents than me because I didn't drink it. I'm like, that's a hard pass. Nope, sorry. And I'm so glad because guess what was in it? The three main ingredients. I can't even remember what all was in it, but the three main ingredients, Skittles, fruit juice, and crushed up Cool Ranch Doritos. (laughs) I wouldn't be alive today if I were to take a drink of that. You guys would have a different pastor right now. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not drinking it. I'm not drinking it. I can't see it. I'm not drinking it, right? I wonder if a lot of us feel like faith is similar in that way. That we feel like life and God are over in the kitchen giggling with each other, just <laughs> throwing stuff in a cup, and then coming to us and saying, hey, close your eyes, Trust me, have a sip, right? Bottoms up. Like, you're, you're, you're like, I, uh, yeah, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. That, is that what faith looks like? Just, just blindly taking a drink, just blindly just trusting and hoping that it doesn't have Cool Ranch Doritos in it, right? Like, is that what faith looks like? Is that what it means when we say that we have faith in God? How in the world can we truly have faith? Can we truly have faith that works, you know, that kind of faith. How can we have a faith that works whenever we really can't see, whenever we're blind, whenever we don't really know what's coming? Well, Joseph is the perfect example of, of how we can have that kind of faith, despite not knowing the future, despite not knowing what's coming, despite not seeing what's around the corner, still being able to know that God is with us. His story uh, is just perfect. There is example after example of how Joseph trusted in God, even though he couldn't see. And so what Joseph learned, we need to learn. If we want to have that kind of faith, we need to emulate Joseph. So let me read one more time from Genesis 50, verse 20. This is going to be kind of the main verse that we hone in on today. Joseph says this to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. This is such a pivotal phrase that he is saying. This is such a a huge declaration of truth. What Joseph is saying in this moment is, Joseph is saying, I know that God's goodness, God's goodness is not conditional on my circumstances. It's just not. Like, it's not conditional on what I'm going through. It's not conditional on what I'm about to face in the future. God's goodness does not depend on whether or not things go my way or not. God's goodness is not conditional on my circumstances. Now, Cornerstone, if you've been with us or you know a little bit about our history the last few years, um, we've had some difficulties, right? All God's people said, ouch. Like, we've had, we've had some rough moments. We've had some difficult stuff that we've gone through, some difficult stuff that's happened to us, some difficult stuff that's been said about us. Like, we've, we've kind of gone through the gauntlet in a lot of ways, a lot of hardship, um, but none of that. Not a single thing that we've been through reflects on God's goodness one bit, does it? Not one bit. Like, there's not one thing that we've been through that didn't go our way, didn't go the way we hoped, and we can go, well, you know, I thought God was good. It doesn't work that way. 
God's goodness is not conditional on my circumstances. And here's the flip side of that coin. In the same way that all those hardships we've dealt with, they don't reflect or speak to God's goodness. Us hitting the $5,000 mark today, us getting the new building in the future, that also is not gonna be the identifier that God is good. Well, he answered our prayer. He gave us what we wanted. He listened to our cry, so that's how I know he's good. No, (laughs) no, God's goodness is not conditional on my circumstances, whether they're good or bad. Blessed be the name of the Lord, whether the sun is shining down or it's rainy, right? Whether it's sunny or 19 degrees outside, like it's not conditional on my circumstances. And Joseph knew that. Joseph understood that about God, that God's goodness, it is not something that wavers between what I'm experiencing on any given day. Actually, this is, this is kind of a, a new phenomenon that's happening in the church, in Christianity, new. I mean, in the last like 100 or 150 or so years, this idea that your circumstances, that the outcomes that you experience in life determine if God is good or not, determine if God loves you or not, determine if God has favor on you or not. This is a relatively new idea. I'll tell you that much. This is not how the early church saw faith. They didn't see it as, you know, God's goodness is dependent on outcomes and, and, and those can kind of define how God is good or not. No, they understood things differently. They understood circumstances don't define God. God defines circumstances. He gets to name them. He gets to label them. Only God gets to define circumstances. So don't for a second, no matter what you're going through, allow that circumstance or that situation to define God's goodness. He's just good. He's just good. And you can know that. You can take that to the bank. Don't let the circumstances define God. And this is huge. Don't let the circumstances you're experiencing define your story, the story that God is writing in your life. Don't, don't let that happen. Joseph knew that. Joseph knew, Joseph knew I am never gonna lose sight in the end of my story. I'm never gonna lose sight in the end of my story. I'm going to know, again, Genesis 50, 20, that everything that you intended to harm me, God intends it all for good. Everything that the enemy throws my way, everything that is brought against me, if I trust and if I follow in God, even those moments, he can turn around and use them for good, Joseph never lost sight in the end of his story. Even when he couldn't see the ending, he kept faith in the ending. That's incredible because we've got to remember where he was. He, he, was, he was left for dead, then sold into slavery. Uh, he had all these terrible things happen to him. He was in prison for, for a long period of time. All of this stuff happened to him. And whenever we read his story, we don't see a bunch of griping and complaining, and oh, when am I gonna get out of here? And when's this gonna change? And when is something good gonna happen to me? Even in those moments, Joseph never lost sight in the end of his story. He never lost faith in the end of his story. He never lost hope in the end of his story, even though he couldn't see the ending. Cornerstone, that's, that's why I'm excited for us as a church and why I think there's so much excitement going on in our church about what's to come, about our here and now campaign, about what God is doing in our future. It's it's not because we know every next step because we have a very detailed, oh no, we know exactly what's gonna happen and the outcomes that we're shooting for. It's not that, but we've got a group of people who are confident in the end of our story. And you you wanna know what the end of our story is? 
the same end of the story that Joseph believed in, and it should be the same end of the story that every believer of Jesus looks forward to. The end of all of our story is this, three words, God is faithful. That's the end of the story. That's when you flip to the last page, that's what it ends with. God is faithful. That was the end of Joseph's story. So he knew no matter what I'm experiencing right now, I don't see what's coming. I don't see what's on the other side of tomorrow, but I know who will be with me tomorrow. I don't see what's coming down this path, but I know who's gonna be walking with me along the way. Joseph never lost sight in the end of his story because he knew at the end of the story was a faithful God, a faithful God. And because of that, I I love Joseph's demeanor, and we see this exemplified in his life over and over and over again. I wish we had time to read through all of it. I, I would tell you in your own time, read Joseph's story in the book of Genesis. But one of the things that I love so much is how Joseph realized that God is faithful And because of that, he made the decision, you know what? God is faithful to me, I'm gonna be faithful to him. God is faithful to me, so I'm going to have faithfulness towards him. I'm gonna follow him as best I can. I'm gonna walk along his ways as best as I can. I'm gonna trust in him as best as I can. And now, this leads me to something that we're gonna, you know, put a pin in for a later time. We're gonna make a sermon series out of this sometime down the road. Uh, but I love what Joseph understood. He, he understood that faithfulness, being faithful to God, because God is faithful and so he wants to be faithful to him. Faithfulness, this is so huge. Faithfulness is not a means to an end. This is something we can find ourselves falling into in our own situation, Cornerstone. Um, the end, we want a new building right? We need a new facility. Like Phil said, we need a bigger shoe, so we, right? We, we need this. We, we need this thing. This is the end, and so how do we get it? Oh, just faithfulness. Okay, so let's just be faithful because the thing, the shiny object at the end is, ta-da, this brand new building, right? And so faithfulness is a means to the end. That's wrong. <laughs> faithfulness is not a means to an end. Faithfulness is the end. Faithfulness is the goal. Faithfulness is the prize itself. It's the prize itself. Joseph understood that. So Joseph's prize wasn't, I'm gonna keep following God while I'm in slavery because he'll set me free one of these days. Joseph's thought process wasn't, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be as good as I can while I'm in prison because one of these days, God, God, he's gonna get me out of here. God's gonna save me. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. Joseph understood, no, I'm not being faithful as a means to an end. I'm being faithful because it's the end itself. And what Joseph discovered is what you will discover as you are faithful to God, that a faithful life is a fulfilling life. That as you are faithful to God, you will start to experience fulfillment in ways you never could have imagined before. A faithful life is a fulfilling life. Joseph knew this, we need to know it too if we wanna have that kind of faith. So what I am telling you is don't lose sight in the end of your story. Don't lose sight in the end of your story that there is a faithful God waiting for you. Don't lose sight, especially in the hard times. That's when it's the easiest, right? That's when it's the, the, the most uh, susceptible for us to start to falter and start to feel like, oh man, is God really faithful? Man, don't lose sight of the end of your story, especially in the hard times, because this is the truth. God does his best work during our worst times. 
I, can, can anyone say amen to that? Like, yes, I have been there. I have been down in the dumps. I have been in these places, and it's incredible what God has done there in a place where I never would have expected it, in a place where I wasn't looking for it. I didn't see it, but I knew God was faithful, and sure enough, he came through for me. God does his best work during our worst times. That's what Joseph is summarizing when he says, you intended it to harm me, but God intended it all for good. All of the worst you could throw at me, all the worst the enemy could throw at me, God did his best work. He showed up and he showed off. (laughs) God does his best work during our worst times. Um, How many people have a Bible app on their phone? How many people, anybody online? A lot of people. Chances are, if you just raised your hand, the Bible app that you have is the version Bible app. I would, just, I would bet that it's the one that you have. It's a little brown Bible. It's the one that you have. Um, the version app. So this app, let me tell you a little bit about its history. It was originally a website. It was not started as an app. It was started as a website, and it was started by a church, Life Church. They're headquartered out in Oklahoma. They got campuses all over the place now. They're one of the largest churches in uh, the country, one of the bigger ones in the world. It's a a huge church pastored by uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel. They started uh, this app, it started as a website back in 2006. They had this idea. They're like, let's, let's make this Bible website and we'll, we'll you know, make it a little bit different than other ones where people can highlight and they can take notes digitally and save them and share them on there. It'll be, it'll be great. It'll be awesome. Now, up to this point, this church is about 10 years old at this point. They started in 96. This is 2006. It's about 10 years down the road. Now, we all know this. You know, you, you look at something from the outside and you don't see all the struggle and all the hardship and everything like that. But from the outside, when you look at Life Church's history, it looks like this. <laughs> just up and to the right. Like up and things are just going good. Like constantly going good. One win after another. They open up one campus. They open up another campus. It's just, it's growing. Everything's going good. So when they do this, when they invest personnel, time, money, all of this into this website, you're expecting another win, right? They haven't seemed to experience a loss yet. Like, this is going to be another thing. But the website failed miserably. Even the staff that created, created it was like, I'm not using this. Like, I don't, I don't want to use this. It just, it did not work at all like they were hoping it would work. It was a failure. One of their first big feel, feelings of failure that they had. Uh, and then about you know, a couple months later, now into 2007, a guy by the name of Steve Jobs, has anyone ever heard of Steve Jobs before? Yeah, I think you have. Uh, a guy by the name of Steve Jobs, CEO of Apple, uh, uh, debuts the iPhone, like this, this game-changing device, and not just the iPhone, but the accompanying app store, this application store where you can go on and you can download these little apps and put them onto your phone. And it was getting ready to launch, uh, and the guys who had developed this website, version, started to realize, hey, maybe this wasn't meant to be a website. Maybe it was supposed to be an app. Like this actually seems like this would work a whole lot better this way. And so they took everything they learned, all of the stuff that they learned during their failure and during that hard time, they refunctioned the, uh, the website, turned it into an app, and get this, they were one of the first 200 apps to be available on the app store for the iPhone, one of the first 200. So whenever the iPhone launched, Boom, right there, it was the Bible that you could download. And they were blown away. In the first week, they got 83,000 downloads. That's nuts, 
right? Like that's, that's crazy. Fast forward to where we are today. They are now at over 300 million downloads of the Bible on phones. Just absolutely incredible. Over 1,700 languages, over 1,200 versions of the Bible available. Just absolutely incredible. Absolutely an incredible thing. And it all came out from what seemed to be one of their worst times when they had bet big on this idea and it failed miserably. But isn't that how God works? When the chips are down, when things seem to not be going our way at all, God shows up and when we trust in his faithfulness and we are faithful to him, he shows up in ways we could never imagine. We could never believe in on our own. That's what they experienced. That's what Joseph experienced. That's what we can experience. We can experience the same thing, God doing his best work in our worst times. And it's because of that truth that God does his best work in our worst times. That's why you can't ever base God's goodness on your circumstances. Because you have no idea what he's gonna bring out of those circumstances. You could be cursing him for the very thing that's gonna change your life. You can't do it. You can't judge God's goodness based on your circumstances because God does his best work during your worst times. That's why you have to keep faith in the end of your story, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the future looks like, because no matter how bad it seems, God does his best work during your worst times. If you believe that, if you hold on to that, if you trust in that, you can have that kind of faith. Never lose sight in the end of your story and believe that God does his best work during your worst times. Just keep the faith. If you're going through a hard time right now, man, just, just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. I know that me and my wife, Jessica, the times that our marriage always grows the most, it always grows the most whenever we've gone through hardship, whenever we're going through financial hardship or, or, or you know, communication's kind of like rocky. When we get to the other side of it, we're always the better for it. We're always the better for it because God does his best work during our worst times. It's how he shows up. It's how he works. So again, if you're in the middle of that, keep the faith. But, and here's a, here's a huge caveat, okay? Keep the faith, but not keeping the faith in the fact that the outcome will change to the way you want it to be. That is so, if you have kind of been tuning out a little bit, this is the moment to tune back in because let me tell you, this is so important and so vital. We need to have faith, keep the faith, not that the hard times will end necessarily because your faith can never, ever, ever, I cannot say ever enough, your faith can never be tethered to an outcome. It can't. Never tether your faith to an outcome. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 one more time. Let's read what it says. This is what the writer writes. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. The reality of what we hope for. Now, hear me on this, okay? Hear me on this. The what we hope for, the thing that we hope for, it needs to be tethered to God's identity, not our ideal outcome. And this is an area where we can get so screwed up and so off base. We treat faith as if faith is belief in my desired outcome. I have faith that this is gonna go the way I want it to go. I have faith that this is gonna turn out the way that I hoped that it would turn out. 
That is not that kind of faith. It's a kind of faith, but it's not that kind of faith. It's not the faith that Joseph had. It's not the faith that the biblical heroes had, that their ideal outcome would come to fruition. No, Joseph's faith was tethered to God, not to his ideal outcome. That's why in the middle of of prison, in the middle of slavery, in the middle of being lied about, Joseph still had a faith and a faith that works because his faith wasn't dependent on him getting out of that situation. And this is where we can screw up. We we have a, a faith that is dependent, a faith that's dependent on circumstances, a faith that's dependent on God doing what we want him to do, but that's not that kind of faith. That's not the faith that works. That's not the faith that changes lives forever. Um, whenever I was on my flight to uh, Orlando, I flew down. Uh, my family went ahead of me, drove down, then I flew down. Um, by the way, do we have any people who like to fly in here? You like to fly? People who hate to fly? People who just want to survive? Like, you're just, just get me there? Like, just land the plane? Um, I, I don't, like, mind it too much. Like, I don't mind flying. I, I kind of like it. But, okay, here, let me put it this way. I like it when certain preconditions are met. Okay, so like, I don't like tiny planes, not a fan of like you walk in and you round the corner and there's like two seats, an aisle, and then one seat. I'm like, yep, I'll just head back on out. I don't, I don't like that. Like, I don't like the tiny planes. Um, obviously, I like smooth air. Like, I don't want to get up there and be bumping all over. Like, I, no, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, and I, I like calm weather. Like, let's take off and nice, sunny, no wind. Like, that's... If those preconditions are met, man, I'm just chilling on the plane. Like, I love it. Like, I I love it. I struck out on all three of my preconditions for this flight to Orlando. I didn't get a single one of them. I walked in. It's a small plane. Ding. There's there's one thing down. Um, The weather, it was really windy that day up in Cleveland. I, I left from Cleveland Hopkins. It was really windy. Gusts from about 20 to 25 miles an hour. Um, even whenever we were taking off, like you could feel the like constant readjustment. So it was, duh. and then on top of that, before we even took off, the people are still walking on the plane. You hear them get over the intercom and, oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we take off today, we just want to let you know, we're going to be experiencing some rough air uh, at our cruising altitude. So we'll try to make it as smooth and as comfortable as we can for you. I'm like, well, that's that's not good. Like, is it, can, I get, can I ask for a sedative on the plane? Like, can someone bring me something? So I, I struck out on all of them. Not a single outcome that I wanted to happen was happening. But the one thing that allowed me to like just be confident and like cool, calm, and collected throughout the fight, and it, it was bumpy. It was, a, it was a bumpy flight. But the thing that made me feel confident and calm and everything, I got to see the pilot. And he wasn't a young, a young guy or a young girl or anything like that. It was, this was a seasoned pilot. You can tell this dude, this wasn't his first rodeo. He had flown a plane or two, right? And so I see that and instantly, 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 I feel better. Even though every single one of the outcomes that I wanted, every one of the circumstances I was hoping for didn't materialize. But because I knew who was flying the plane, instantly I felt better. I knew he could handle bumpy air. I knew he had flown these smaller planes before. I knew he could handle rough, windy, Weather, because my confidence was not tethered to the what, it was tethered to the who. That's how our faith needs to be. 
We cannot allow our faith to fall into this idea of we tether it to the what's. And let me tell you, if you are a baby Christian, like you, you feel like you've been a baby Christian, but you're on year like seven of being a baby Christian, right? Like you, you feel like you're constantly stuck here. May I just propose that this is why? I feel like this is the common denominator I see between people taking the next step to mature Christianity is realizing your faith, the reason you believe and trust and hope is not for a desired outcome. Faithfulness is the end. Faithfulness is the goal. It is the prize. You're you're not trusting in God because you want that promotion. You're not following him because, well, God, you said you'd fix my marriage. And if you don't, I'm out. Like that's That's not how it works. And when we understand that, we actually see true biblical faith for what it is. A faith that is the end itself, not the means to an end. A faith that is tethered to God's identity, not my ideal outcome. And I'm telling you this, when you get that kind of faith, that kind of faith can withstand anything. Anything. I've seen people go through uh, awful, awful things in their relationship, but survive it and thrive through it because they had that kind of faith. I've seen people experience the loss of a child, one of the worst things you can ever imagine, but they've come through the other side of it somehow stronger, closer to each other and closer to God because they had that kind of faith. If you wanna have that kind of faith, you've gotta start remembering, you know what? Faith is not a means to an end. It is the end itself. I'm not having faith because of a desired outcome. I'm having faith because of who God is, his identity, not my ideal outcome. So if, if I could make one change to today's sermon, our sermon title for today, right, was I didn't see it, but I knew it, I would change it just a little bit. I didn't see it, but I know him. I think that's the, the cry of Joseph's heart, and I think that's what we see in Joseph's life over and over and over again He didn't know what was coming his way. He didn't know all these hardships that he was gonna face. He had no idea he was gonna be thrown uh, into slavery. He had no idea his brothers were gonna contemplate murdering him. He had no idea he was gonna be rotting away in a prison. He had no idea people were gonna lie about him and lie him. He had no idea about any of that. He didn't see any of it. But he had a faith that said, you know, I I don't see any of this happening, but I know God, but I know him. I know he is good, I know he is faithful, and I know he's going to see me through. And when you have that kind of faith, it's an unshakable faith. It's a faith that nothing can knock off course. I'm gonna ask the worship team uh, to come back on stage real quick. As they do, I wanna uh, uh, go back to the drink that my daughter's concocted for me, right? Um, (laughs) So as I was writing my sermon and I was thinking on that, it started to like ruminate in my head and I'm going, you know what? Actually, I don't think it was the fact that I couldn't see the drink that scared me, right? That I couldn't see what they were handing me. That, that wasn't the main issue. The main issue, the main thing I was scared of is I knew who made the drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's what ugh, threw me off, right? Like I, it wasn't so much not seeing it, it was knowing who made it. And because, you know, my wife, my wife's a great cook. She's got great taste. She, she can bake good. You know, she's good with all that stuff. And now, if she would have come up to me and said, hey, sweetie, close your eyes. Why don't you, want you to taste something? No problem, right? Because who has made it? Who made the drink? It's the reason why I was fine on the plane, because of who was flying it. 
Not because I was able to see and I was able to know, you know, this is good and that's good and this is good and that's good. No, I had confidence in the who. You see where I'm going with this, don't you? (laughs) That's what our faith is tethered to. That kind of faith, the kind of faith that lasts, that leaves a legacy, that impacts your family for generations to come, that kind of faith is always tethered to a who, not a what. It's tethered to who God is, not what we hope God will do for us. And the sooner we get that, the sooner our life starts to change. When we realize, you know what, I'm not putting my faith and my hope in the way, I'm putting it in the way maker. I'm not putting my faith and hope in what I hope is gonna uh, uh, materialize, I'm putting it all in God. And whatever, whatever happens, happens, but I know at the end of the story, God is faithful. I want that kind of faith. I want. The, do you want that kind of faith? Because it can be yours. Just like it could be Joseph's, it can be ours today. We've just gotta take the step forward in true faith. That no matter what we go through, think about this for a second, the absolute worst the enemy can ever throw your way, the absolute worst he could ever do to you can end up being something that God uses for good. That is absolutely incredible and that's how we can have I didn't see it, but I know it kind of faith because I don't need to see it because I know God is faithful and he will see me through. Can we give God some praise for that truth today? Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.